Hello, friends. Today's podcast is sponsored by One Carrot a Day, an online studio where feeling better is achievable and sustainable. One Carrot a Day works with the yoga practice applied to nutrition, a mindful approach that can be life changing. The thing is that when it comes to healthcare, prices are sometimes prohibitive. At One Carrot a Day, top professionals strive for inclusion from all angles. Welcome, friends, to an all-new episode of Heartfelt Consciousness. Today's guest is Zach Beach. He's an international yoga teacher, best-selling author, poet, love coach, and founder of the Heart Center Love School. Um, so he's committed to building a world based on unconditional love and connection, and he regularly leads retreats, workshops, and transformational trainings on opening the heart and discovering our own loving nature. So thank you very much for listening to this all new episode and I'll check in with you on the other side. Well, hello, Zach, happy new year and welcome to heartfelt consciousness. Um, so thanks again for being here. Um, so you wear a lot of hats, so let's kind of start there. Um, so sure. can you tell me a little bit uh, about yourself and how your journey started with yoga? We'll start at that point. Yeah. So thanks so much for having me on, Laura. It's wonderful to see you and connect across the United States. You're on yes. the East Coast. I'm on the West. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And hello, listeners. Uh, it's nice to meet you all. My name is Zach Beach. And it's true, I do wear a lot of hats and it all... Uh, is encompassed in this wonderful practice of love. So I do think of myself as devoting all my work into the world as bringing more love into it. And the way that my work tends to manifest in the world is on the level of the body, the heart, and the mind. So on the level of the body, I teach yoga. I love to get people into their bodies. I love to get bodies to connect with other bodies with things like time massage and acro yoga. On the level of the heart, I love to write. I do poetry and spoken word poetry performances. And on the level of the mind, I'm an educator. So I also love to write books and articles online, but also love to teach all things on love and self-love and compassion and different things like that. And of course, it all started with this amazing practice that we call yoga. Mm -hmm. And I actually didn't go quite, didn't get quite into yoga, kicking and screaming necessarily, but just having some resistance to it. But I was 20 years old and I injured my back. And then I went to my physical therapist and they said, you know what? You should try yoga. And I was like, hmm, yoga. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, and so like many people, you know, I was attracted to yoga first for its physical benefits. But all the benefits that yoga provided overflowed and into all areas of my life. And I haven't stopped ever since. That's awesome. Do you recall what, what kind of class did you um, start off with? Do you remember? Was it kind <laughs> of like, I always think about that. And I, I think about that because um, ironically, I have a friend that still teaches at the studio that I used to go to. That was my first couple classes. And I remember just being in there and it wasn't, it was just a vinyasa class. Um, mm -hmm. It was a very basic beginners uh, style class. And I don't really necessarily think of anything about it too much. 
it, it took a while to kind of get into that space where I was doing the hot yoga and then I was doing, you know, like power yoga and things like that. So what do you, what was your, do you remember what your first experience was specifically? And you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I do laugh because I do remember my first experience and looking back on it now, I realized that what I had taken was a Kundalini yoga class. Wow. But at the moment I had no idea, right? When you say, when you get into yoga at, at the very beginning and you have mm-hmm. Hatha, Vinyasa, Iyengar, Kundalini, you might as well be speaking Chinese, right? You mm-hmm. don't know what these words mean. So I do remember going to yoga class because I was told, you know, yoga is good for you and it's good for flexibility. And I was like, oh, great. We're going to stretch and we're going to breathe. And then we were just like hyperventilating for an hour <laughs> and doing all sorts of funky, strange movements. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> Yeah, Kundalini is very different. Um, I've I've only probably taken one or two of my in them ever. Yeah, it's very very different. Um, <laughs> very different experience from that. Oh wow! And you're probably like, what is going on here? But did you feel? How did you feel though afterwards? Do you remember that? Um, I remember feeling quite confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes that happens, I guess too. But you went back. Eventually, you went back. Well, I did stay in yoga. Yeah. I didn't go yeah. back to that class because I was like, that's a little weird. But I remember I got like just a yoga DVD, you know, back yeah. in the day when we didn't have YouTube and these yeah. other, other things. And I found like at the beginning, having just the same sequence, the same DVD, yeah. playing it over and over again, allowed me to go much deeper into my body, into these practices. And yeah. when I started out, I was just stiff as a board. I couldn't touch my toes. I could barely twist and having just a beginner's intro class doing it again and again took me it took me quite a few years to even be able to do a full vinyasa class oh wow that's awesome yeah i, I definitely have a lot of our our uh viewers or not viewers um our uh, listeners and even uh, a former guest that i've had on they've they started with some kind of dvd and then it kind of made them explore into like maybe their neighborhood had a class somewhere or something like that and i think that's a good place to start sometimes too so you feel more comfortable with your body well kind of switching gears a little bit too um and you kind of spoke of this um in your introduction so you're the founder of the heart center love school mm-hmm. um so I feel you would be the best person to ask this question to. So what is your definition of compassion? (laughs) Yeah, it's a wonderful question. And just to give you a little bit of background is indeed, I started this thing I call the heart center. And I think of it as my love school. And a huge reason I started it is because when I went on this path of bringing more love into the world, I realized how hard it was. Like you can't go to uh, love incorporated and apply for a job there. And you can't go to school and major in love. And I was, really surprised to find love schools don't exist. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I might as well start one. So we do have programs and offerings all around developing the heart. And it's so interesting. I keep coming back to this powerful practice that we call compassion. So to give you a really quick, concise definition of what compassion is, is it's a loving response to a person's suffering. And when I say that, the both those words in that definition can be unpacked a little bit. The first one is love, and the second one is suffering. Mm-hmm. And often people ask me, like, what is love, for example? And there's many ways and amazing 
avenues to explore love in our life. And for me, a really simple definition I always come back to is love is a genuine concern for another person's well-being. So if you want somebody to be happy, if you want somebody to not be in pain, these reflect a genuine concern for this person's well-being. And of course, a place where our love resides. So when our love touches somebody, it changes depending on how that person's doing, right? So if the person is doing well, our love turns into what we might call sympathetic joy or empathic joy. But if the person is suffering, if the person is in pain and they're experiencing challenges in their life, then it turns into compassion. Then it turns into a desire for this person to not be in pain, to not suffer, to be happy and to be well. So the term compassion actually has that same root as compartir or to share with. So it also involves a deep empathic response and a suffering with this person. So not just simply a cognitive understanding that somebody is suffering, you don't want them to, but an actual empathic response that you are also feeling into what this person is feeling and you have this desire for that person to be alleviated of their suffering. Mm, Wonderful. So when you're stepping away from the role of a coach or a teacher, um, just for maybe a moment and kind of in your own space. Um, so how do you practice compassion off the mat or just in your day to day? Yeah, it's a really wonderful question. And it really goes into that final word we haven't gotten into, which is suffering. Mm. And what I'll go into a little bit is I do have this book called The Seven Lessons of Love heart wisdom for troubling times. And the seven lessons of love are principles on love that we can all bring into our lives in order to really shift our understanding of what love is and what it can be. And one of the final lessons in the book is the simple idea that love is a lens with which we can view the world, right? And what I mean by that is just as if you wear sunglasses, the entire world appears dark. The lens that we see the world through also shifts our perception of reality. And love is this lens that we can look out to the world from behind. And when we do that, it shifts our entire perspective of humanity, of human behavior, and also how to respond to different challenges that we experience in our lives. So a really important way to bring compassion into your life off of the mat, not just from the meditation cushion, is to is to see the world through this lens of compassion. And what I mean by that is to see how every human being wants the same thing. We all want to be happy and we don't want to suffer. This is the beginning of what we might call secular ethics. Just a recognition that every human being on this planet wants to be happy and does not want to suffer. So when you look out at everything that human beings do, you will see it as a way of trying to get some sense of happiness, stability, security, what we might call universal human needs in our life, and a not trying to be in any sort of pain or suffering. And that taps us into one of the fundamental truths of Buddhism, one of the first noble truths that life is suffering, that we all experience challenges in our life. And many people have a certain resistance to this idea of suffering. They're like, they think pain or PTSD or war, different things like that. But when we look at this word, all it really means is any, we suffer anytime things are not what we wish them to be. Right. So it's everything from the death of a loved one to, you to you walk into your favorite ice cream store and they're out of your favorite 
ice cream. <laughs> anytime. That'd be any, bad. <laughs> yeah. Any you know, the Wi-Fi goes out. Like anytime mm-hmm. things aren't what we wish them to be, we suffer. So when we recognize the first noble truth that life contains suffering within it, we see that every human being is seeking not to suffer and seeking to be happy. And therefore we can be compassionate to every human being that we see. We can see this wonderful entity of dancing pattern of of matter and energy and see that this is a person who wants to be happy does not want to suffer and they are suffering right we are all we are all fighting uniquely challenging battles in our lives so we have to be kind and compassionate to everyone that we see so when i think about like compassion off the mat that's what i mean extending our love to everyone that we see by recognizing that this person wants to be happy they are meeting challenges in their life because there is suffering in our life and we can extend our compassion to that person Mm, i love that i love that all right so the last question i always i've been asking everyone and i feel like there's always a really just different response from everyone. And I, I still continue to ask it because I, I just enjoy hearing what everyone's thoughts are. But anyway, um, so what would you feel is the most valuable lesson over maybe from over the last year or maybe the last two years at this point, since we're kind of the pandemic mm-hmm. is continuing on forever. So, <laughs> but it feels like, you know, 2020, 2020 and then 2021, So what do you feel that you learned during that time of this transition and growth that we've gone through? Mm. It's a really wonderful question. And it has been a really challenging time. And it is interesting because I do remember like around July, August of last year, a lot of things started opening up, you know, festivals started happening, concerts started happening. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling myself, you know, it's okay to feel uncertain to go back into the world. I'm going to, begin next year, January, January, 2022, (laughs) Zach is going to go out and he's going to go out into the world. And I was preparing myself to like, that was when I would finally go party and concerts and then life happened and Omicron happened. (laughs) And that to me is one of the, the biggest lessons actually. And as a combination of the impermanent nature of reality and that no one knows what the future is going to hold. So what I mean by that is another thing that we learn when we really get in touch with reality is, of course, that nothing lasts, right? Everything moves, nothing stays, and I will not hold on. The only constant in this universe, of course, is change. So at any point in our life, yes, our entire life can be upended. And COVID is just one example, one crisis that has happened in our lives, of which there are many. And once COVID happens, or once COVID ends, whenever it, whenever it will be, yeah, whatever that, that does not mean that crisis, crises and challenges in our life will end forever either. So, um, and no one knows what the future will hold. So there's this famous quote by Shanti Deva, which I often come back to along the lines of we could cover the entire world with leather so as not to get pricked or we can simply wear shoes. (laughs) I like that. 
I like uh, that. Yeah. And so nothing will prevent us from challenging, from challenging circumstances in our life, from seeing our whole world get upended, right? Even right now, this fire, 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 um, wildfires going on in Cal- in California and Colorado. You could wake up tomorrow, your entire house could be burned down. This is the reality of impermanence and that no one knows the future. So what are we going to do? Like, what can we do? to face these challenges. And that of course is to wear shoes in the case of Shanti Deva. Now the shoes in this case is an open heart, an embodied life and a clear mind. It is what we cultivate on our yoga mats, on our meditation cushions. It is this mental emotional resiliency that we find through the stillness of meditation, through the movement of our yoga practice that allows us to cope with whatever life throws our way. And that to me is another lesson I found with COVID. And it's kind of my own interpretation of people always say every cloud has a silver lining. And I always got confused. I don't see, I don't see any silver lining when I see a cloud. I don't know about you, but what I've found is what is COVID, you know, another lesson I've taken from this challenging few years is that everything that exists casts a shadow. And every shadow has something catching the light. And this is the duality, right? This is every positive has a negative. Every negative has a positive. So yes, for many of us, the pandemic, COVID restrictions, the loss the loss of loved ones has been a really challenging shadow, really challenging darkness in our lives. But everything that is dark has its light. So in the same vein, we've had it an extraordinary opportunity to look within, to arrive exactly where we are at right now. So I know many people who've gotten so deep into their spiritual practice, their yoga practice, their meditation practice, because all the external distractions, all these social obligations slowly disappeared. Mm -hmm. And it has been a really wonderful opportunity So people have read more books than they ever had, have written books that they didn't have the time for. So this time of, you know, forced, like, you know, restrictions and forced isolation has been a wonderful time to focus on what matters, to return to our intention, our meditation cushion, our yoga mats, and to focus on how we want to live our lives beyond the changing challenges that life offers us. And we keeping an open heart, continuing to clear and still the mind. And of course, being in these wonderful bodies that we have. Yes, absolutely. I love that answer because I feel like it really resonated with me. Um, That's exactly kind of what I went through. You know, I ran around a lot um, beforehand, running from studio to studio, teaching maybe a class and then maybe another class somewhere else across town. And um, I didn't really feel as connected as I became uh, later on, I just kind of reconnecting with uh, meditation and just really kind of starting to understand breath practices. I mean, I kind of even went through all of that, not really even knowing how much of it was out there to really tune into. And um, yeah, it's brought me to interesting, definitely going to be a different 2022. That's for sure. (laughs) Yes. Even us yoga teachers are on the path 
Yes. And I often do yoga teacher trainings and I have this one lesson called what to do before you quit your day job <laughs> because we can get caught up in it as well. It's easy mm-hmm. to get caught up in the capitalistic, materialistic, like go, 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 go functions of our society. So I see it all the time. Teachers doing 15, 20 classes a week running all over and they have no time for their own practice for their own stillness but that's our path is really practicing everything that we are preaching and finding that time for ourselves and me too i have been enjoying the more quiet reflective times that covid has presented us yeah it was a welcoming i guess a welcoming distraction uncertainty whatever you want to call it yeah (laughs) well zach i really appreciate you taking the time today um thank you for sharing your energy and be well my friend thank you again for being here thank you laura and thank you listeners take care and namaste namaste I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Zach. As always, don't forget to share, review, and subscribe. Be well, my friends.